Okay. Good afternoon. I'm going to invite you to grab your seats when you're feeling able and ready. And those of you watching online too, you know, maybe you're doing some jumping jacks or something, I don't know. We have a guy in our congregation here who just loves to do jumping jacks. And um, it's Isaiah, he loves jumping jacks. He told me this morning that he can't imagine doing anything else but jumping jacks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Do you do jumping jacks, Isaiah? No. <laughs> Well, thank, I just got to say thank you to uh, Isaiah for uh, stepping in today and leading us in worship. I hope you enjoyed, uh, you know, a little different uh, leader here this afternoon. Was that nice? It was good. Thank you, Isaiah. Right on, man. Right on. Doing it for the right reasons. And he gave, you know, he gave the right answer. Yesterday when I called him, I was like, this is a test. <laughs> Don't say no. And I said, I need, you to, I need you to lead worship because Brad's not feeling well and others. John's away at a retreat with some friends. So he was up. You were called up, man. So he did a nice job. And I enjoy playing drums. And uh, yeah, so you're definitely a far better drummer than I. So I'll give, I'll give you that. I have much to learn from you. So I'm going to invite you guys to turn to Matthew chapter 7. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. We're in a new chapter. We are in a new chapter, and that's always exciting when you can start a new chapter in, in God's Word. Um, all the titles of this section of Scripture may be a little different depending on what Bible you read. And let's not get hung up on titles of sections because we know the original Bible didn't have chapters or verses. But it can be helpful in not losing the big picture of the section that we are reading and looking at um, today. So we're looking at Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 1. It says, Do not judge, so you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure that you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye. And look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite. First take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs or to toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet. Turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you, Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who receives, everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, Whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. Thank you, Jesus, for your word today, Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you that as we read, that we're moved. As we read, that we are challenged, but also empowered by your grace to live it. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that guides and teaches each one of us. Lord, we continue to ask that you would be with us here today. You would continue to mold and shape us, 
to be more like you, Lord Jesus. We ask this and believe this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So before we get in this part of scripture, there's a key part I just want to hone in as we really get off the launch pad here. In verse 11, it says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven good give things, give good things to those who ask? And I wanted to highlight that first so we don't lose sight here and keep in mind that this discourse on the Sermon on the Mount is pre-cross. This is pre-resurrection. He's talking to an audience of predominantly Jews. He's talking to those who are the whitewashed tombs, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes. He's saying, you evil, you, you, you're not giving good gifts. Well, that's who he's referencing here specifically as he's honing in on this group that likes to be uh, virtue signalers, if you will making the standard all about themselves. And so keep that in mind as we continue here in this passage. So right here at the beginning, let's look at a definition for a second. To judge. What does judge mean? And, you know, like you, I appreciate definitions. And Webster's Dictionary is very similar to what the Bible would tell us. It says, a person who is able to form an opinion or a conclusion about something or someone. Someone who's able to form a conclusion, form an opinion about someone or something. It can also refer to a public officer, a magistrate, someone who serves in a public space to decide cases. So first things right off the hop, what you have to then appreciate about that, even the word judge in the Greek speaks of giving an opinion and a conclusion. So think about this for a second. You and I, because we believe in Jesus, we've been given the mind of Christ. Our God is an incredible, creative, knowledgeable one. He gives us the ability to create, to to discern, and even said to Adam, name all the animals in the garden. We're able to assess. We're able to make conclusions. But he says, don't get puffed up. Don't become a hypocrite. Don't make this about yourself. Whoa, look at me, man. I I got all the badges like a wanna club or something. (laughs) You need to get your act together. I've heard a few times in reading this passage, been a few seminars and in different churches and such, and, and I appreciate we all can have different outlooks on this, and this is an outlook of really seeking and asking the Lord, what are you what are you saying here? But there is one area of a line of thought that as a minister I think needs to be spoken to is that there is no reason here that Jesus is saying that we as Christians cannot serve in the public sector as politicians or serving as police officers or serving even as judges and magistrates in the land. He's not saying, you know, do not judge. Your your father is going to judge you and cast you out. He's saying, "Be, be mindful. The measure that you use will be used unto you. So look at verse 4 for a second. I wrote here, the emphasis is fight the puff. (laughs) Fight the puff up. You know, we go through life and, you know, we know what the word of God says. And Jesus, just so we don't get anything wrong here, Jesus says a lot about how we should live as members of the kingdom of God. He's very clear on many issues. And yes, sometimes we, you know, brush our shoulder, kind of like brushing an apple, make it really shiny. Right? Look at me, see me, notice me kind of thing. In many respects, this section follows a line, along the line, sorry, of our heart motivations. 
What are those motivations? We can very quickly become conceited. We can very quickly think that we have arrived. You know, follow me, Jim. I think I got this whole thing figured out, brother. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. No way. We're all this work in progress. And we don't have to go much further than Romans 3, 23 that says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we're also justified freely by that same grace and redemption. So think about it. That same grace and redemption moves us that we can discern things in this world. Because if he's saying do not judge ever, well, when are we going to critique? When are we going to assess leaders over us? When are we going to assess the people, maybe wolves in sheep's clothing? We have to use what God has given us. So look at right here in verse 15. I'm sorry I don't have this for the, on the slides here today, but the same chapter he says, be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. And a good tree can't produce good fruit or bad fruit. Man, it's like a tongue twister for me today. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. So to recognize something, recognize someone by their fruit, we need to make an assessment. We need to form conclusions. We need, in other words, to critique. But not going to the place of arrogancy and the conceitedness of that approach. And so if we look to Luke chapter 6, we like to see where there's similarities in what Jesus teaches. In Luke 6 verse 41 it says, Why do you look at the splinter in your own brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own? How can you say to your brother, Hey brother, let me take out the splinter that's in your eye, when you yourself don't see the beam of wood in your eye. Hypocrite. First take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to take out the splinter in your brother's eye. In your brother's eye. Isaiah, can you make sure you have scene one set up there for a sec? This is something that I deeply appreciate. When you look to another part of passage of scripture, how it aligns. It's not just a one-off. He's still saying, do not judge. Don't think that you have your whole act put together. Look back to verse 2. He says that the measure and the standard of which you use will be the same measure used against you. What measures do we employ? Who do we put on a pedestal? You know, many places, you know, very recently, there's a leader in a very famous church in Canada, you know, that had a, had a, had a slip up. And you can say, well, we're not, we're not to judge that. And, you know, we all are forgiven and we have the grace of God. But we need to assess, well, what happened? What are maybe some blind spots? Like me, I introspectively look. What are some potential blind spots as a leader, as a Christian, as a believer? What should we do? But our life is still not the standard. It's not the equilibrium for holy living. So who is? Who's the standard? Jesus. Like we're singing, Isaiah, I appreciate the song, Jesus be the center of my life. He's the center. 
If Jesus is not the center, it becomes subjective. And so our judgments are then invalid because they're subjective. But if we're looking to the word of God to guide us and lead us, those judgments are that of wholesome critique and assessment. Lord, at least for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If the government says I have to bow down before idols, no, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to execute and exercise proper judgment. Somewhere along the line, and some folk with Christians will say we're not to judge, period. Well, again, we've given us the mind of Christ. But let's be appropriate in how we approach things. He says, you hypocrites. Did you know in the, in the word of God that the word hypocrite also means play actor? A play actor is the one who, in, in other words, wears a disguise, is portraying this, themselves as someone that they're not. And in this case, the Pharisees, the scribes, the, some people are acting as if they're God. But they're not. And so when we look at this, when we hone in, when he says, if you who are evil know how to give give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Think about when we ask, when we seek, when we knock, Lord, I know there's this beam in my eye. I know there's this beam in my life. Would you chop it out? Would you help me remove this? The Holy Spirit is, is there. He's dwelling within us, and he, and he longs to speak. Those, as Romans 8, it says, groans in harmony with the Lord's will for our life. He knows, but he wants us to be on the same page, to be led by the Spirit. So look at this one in regards to a standard, a measure. Who's the measure in our life? We're told in Ephesians 4, verse 10, and we go to this part of scripture for various reasons, and and rightfully so, but we just want to hone in so there's no mistakes. The Apostle Paul says this in verse 10, the one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. Notice the key emphasis here. It says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It doesn't say that they're the only ones that can teach, the only ones that can judge and bring assessments. No, it says they are there to equip the saints to build the body until we all reach maturity and unity in the faith, in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into that maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. He goes on to say, then we will no longer be like little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunningness with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head. I deeply appreciate this passage because we have our focal point, Jesus He's the center when he is the the position of our GPS, as as we're orienting our life after him. We're we're on the right path of the straight and narrow that Jesus invites us along. He becomes the standard, so we, we set up our life to him who is infinite and as we are finite. How many of you are still growing? How many of you are still learning? I'm there with you. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. We're, we're teaching each other. 
And as I was going through this, rightfully so, I said, Lord, are there only specific people in certain roles that should judge? We know this is, I should park here for a second, Jesus isn't emphasizing about eternal judgment here. He's talking about if your brother has a splinter in his eye, first take out the the beam in your own. He's not talking about eternal judgments here. He's talking about in the here and the now, in the day to the day. But if only certain people in roles like magistrates or pastors or overseers were meant to judge and no one else, well, then the Great Commission falls flat. In my belief that it falls flat because when Jesus says, go into the world and make disciples, teach them everything that I have taught you, it's about the living rightly before the Lord, living in the kingdom. But if it's only for those people in those specific roles, well, they're the only ones to engage the commission. We just sit, we just sit down, Don. We just sit on our hands and say nothing. But the Apostle Paul says at the end of that whole emphasis and passage, he says, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in everywhere into him and every way into him who is the head. So when you're facing an issue, you know, sometimes my wife and I will talk about things and she can vouch for this. And she knows I can, you know, really be critical of myself at times and say, you know, honey, what's, what's the Lord saying here? Like, what, what do you believe the Lord would have us do? And there's times where naturally I will gravitate or we could gravitate towards the flesh and want to go with the crowd. We want to go with culture and say, yeah, I can understand where they're coming from. Because we want to love, we want to, we want to reach out, we want to, we want to you know, impact our neighbor. But we have to exercise proper judgment and understand, well, is that the right course of action? And so I really believe here as we continue on in this chapter, he's saying, look, he's giving a warning. Be careful when you critique or even when you disapprove. But don't, don't stop there. Don't only live there. Use it as an opportunity for introspection. What's going on at home? What's going on in my own life? You know, like you, I'm appreciative of the Holy Spirit. That role of his agency that promises that not only do we have the mind of Christ, but the Holy Spirit speaks and makes known to us the will of the kingdom. Look what we're told in uh, 1 John chapter 2. It says, what you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he himself made to us, eternal life. I have written these things to you concerning those who try to deceive you. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as, it is, just as he has taught you, remain in him. So now, little children, remain in him so that when he appears, he may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. When he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. You know, what I really like you appreciate here in this passage is that you and I have the same Holy Spirit. It's not a different spirit. And we understand we go through different parts of Scripture. Someone really wants to get in here today. (laughs) Someone wants to get in the service. (laughs) We have the same Holy Spirit. 
And I've said this to a few folk and friends or when I'm going through a situation when Isaiah and I chat even, I appreciate that we can come to the same resolution, the same conclusion if we invite the Holy Spirit into the room. You know, there's that song, when you come into the room, everything changes, right? We start to align with the heavenlies, what God says about us, what he says about my circumstance, what he says about my marriage. I can be a better husband. It's because you're here, so it helps. I can be a much better husband. There's different areas in which the Holy Spirit prompts and moves in our life, if we're honest, but if we're so caught up in being like, no, nah, man, I, I put this thing to bed. I've got it all figured out. It's the error of arrogancy that really is the issue. It says, you hypocrite. Therefore, he says in verse 12, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. You know, I really appreciate when, you know, a fellow brother and sister comes to me and he, they say, you know, Andrew, there's something I want to chat with you about. And they share a very timely word, a very timely assessment, a very even timely critique. And it's coming from a place of love, but they're still speaking the truth. And it's taken time to get to that place where I'm receptive to those things. But when you're receptive to it, it's amazing what transpires. You begin to be, have this harmonious synergy, if you will, with the power of the Spirit together in that room on any matter. Imagine what would happen, like Jesus is inviting us here. Imagine if we would all look inwardly and say, would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you speak into my life? Would you reveal that area in my life? Help me not only to have victory in that area in my life, but I can also help my brother. At times we think that he's saying, well, you can't help anybody because you're always going to have a beam in your eye. Yeah, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but there are areas of victory. He's not saying, you know, Tony and Don, you can never help anybody else. You got so much work on your own plate. He's not saying that. You know, yesterday we were at your 60th wedding anniversary, nice celebration, and you are an example to other married couples to go the distance, to endure. And you're able to reach in from those many years of wisdom and say, you know, I, I do have a few, you know, words of advice that I could share with you. And you can do that. You can do that. We're all growing. We're all learning. So my next point is this. We're a team. Call off the firing squad. We're a team. You know, in hockey on Sunday nights, I know it sounds like a broken record, and I have to get some other illustrations. Maybe I shouldn't roll in some other sports or something. But, you know, when you're on the ice, you can quickly see who the weakest link on your team is. And... Um, you know, and you can, you can easily start pulling out all those flaws. But when we realize in the body of Christ that without him, we are all the weakest link. But when we're all leaning to that same power, his, the grace, the mercy, we're able to experience that victory in your life. And so as a team, Jesus is telling us, you know, in many other words, to encourage each other. How could you encourage your brother and sister today? Because look how he says here, how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your own eye? 
He's not talking about people who are talking to those of the world and those of the family of, of the world. He's talking about those who are within the family of God. Paul even said to those in Corinth, he says, we don't judge the outside, God does. But do we not judge the inside? Do we not make assessments? Do we not encourage one another within? He says this in Galatians chapter 6. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, and I believe we do have these verses, by the way, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. So here notice Paul's saying, brothers and sisters. He's not just saying to the leader in Galatia, you know, you, uh, Timothy, if someone's in sin, go and restore them. No, he's saying, brothers and sisters, be aware of those within your own family. Encourage them. Don't bulldoze them. But as you speak the truth and love, it can be hard to hear at times some of those words, especially when we don't want to hear it. But when we open ourselves to do our part, to play the part that we should be playing, it's again this harmonious team synergy. All the great athletes in the world, they say, well, who's the GOAT? It's those who make their teammates better. They encourage them, whether it's the Tom Brady's of the world, the Sidney Crosby's, the Patrick, uh, not Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, those kind of things. They make their teammates better. In what ways do we make each other better? In what ways are we championing each other on, saying, yeah, way to go, Isaiah. You know, way to go, Don. I really admire how you are living your life after the word of the Lord and the calling he has on your life. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. We can't be the measure. It's a nice fire for effect. Paul's emphasizing and, and reiterating what Jesus already said. We cannot be the measure. We cannot be the standard. Jesus is. And so my final point today is this. Know whose company you're keeping. Know whose company you're keeping. And when we're aware, like this passage Jesus is saying, you know, when you're looking at your brother, we know that which we value and hold dear if they're going to value it in the same manner. Have you ever tried speaking to an unbeliever about matters and values of the kingdom? How many times does it fall flat? I've heard one person say, you know, it's all about the presentation. If you, if you present in a certain specific way, everyone's going to receive it. We know that's not true. There are some that are, that are wrapped up in the ways and the, and the schemes of the enemy, the deceitful schemes, and not all are going to value what we value. But here when he says, when you're speaking to your brother, if they're truly a brother, they're going to value what you're laying down. In the same way that Jesus, he, he, he puts this, he says, 
In verse six, don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. And so we know he's talking about those who are outside the family of God because the reference of dogs was a very negative turn for the Gentiles because they tended also to pigs. They had pigs that were unclean and so the Jews didn't want to have anything to do with them. They didn't have the same value system. They didn't worship the same God. They didn't have the same treasures then. So he's saying, you know, be mindful, but yet you still have to be on your guard. Again, verse 15 says, be on your guard against false prophets and those who come to you in sheep's clothing. And there's something that I, you know, jotted down in the devotional time and preparing for today was you need to conserve your energy. We need to go in the world and, and preach the good news to all who will listen. Don't get me wrong. That's, that's what we need to do. Hope for Day is about leading people to a transformative, hope-filled relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to grow. We need to be about those things. But we conserve our energy knowing who we're talking to, knowing who would value the very things that we are speaking about. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 7 says this, there's a time to tear and there's a time to sow. There's a time to be silent and there's a time to speak. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. A brother is born for a difficult time. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens another. So my prayer before I came here today was, Lord, would you help me to make sure that you are the measuring point, that you are my focal point in my life, that I would fight the urge to, to puff up, but to be introspective and say, Holy Spirit, would you guide me? Would you lead me? Would you continue to teach me? Because we're all going to misstep. We're all going to falter at times. And we can say, you know, Jim, I've been there, man. And, you know, that very well could be me tomorrow. You know, my wife and I, we look at, you know, the relationships and we say, yeah, where would we be without the grace of God if we really allowed our emotions and that to get the best of us? Who knows? But it just shows how much we need the Lord's grace in our lives. We all need his help. We all need to show each other mercy. And so, you know, Isaiah, I'm going to invite you to come back and grab the guitar if you're able. Jesus says that a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. When we remember that we've been grafted into the family of God, that he is the source of life, that in him all things are possible, and that we can assess appropriately, we can reach proper conclusions on decisions, as we're told in Romans 8, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Let's also not forget that as we pray that and believe that, that he's conforming us to the image of Jesus. And so in, as Isaiah begins to play, we can keep in mind that as Jesus is at the center of our life and all our life pursuits, his stature and fullness will always be enough. That we can have victory over issues and areas in our life and we can encourage one another 
I know I have people in my life, they're mentors, pastors, friends that speak into my life that are like the, the champion. They champion me to continue the course. At times it can feel that maybe you're all alone at times on certain issues. But stick to the course. God's with you. He's guiding. His Holy Spirit is, is groaning with you in those intercessions, groaning with you as you pray and as you discern for the Lord to lead you. But don't believe the deceptiveness of this world to say, you know, you just got to affirm everything. Because we go out into this world as ambassadors, but just be mindful of who you're addressing, mindful of whether they're a brother and sister in Christ. And if they're outside the family of God, let the Holy Spirit do that work. And even as they ask the question, well, what does the word of God say about this matter? You can then in that situation, invite the Holy Spirit to speak and to move. And one of the questions I've, I've, I've asked myself and I enjoy asking others because it takes me out of the equation and puts him in. What would the Holy Spirit say to you on this? What would the, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you about that very question or that thought that you have? And wouldn't you know it, Don, so many times we arrive on the same page. It's like we're on this aircraft and we're landing at the same time. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So I just want to pray and, and then allow us to respond in a, a time of worship. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Lord, this part of scripture is definitely challenging. We know that none of us have arrived. We know that we tremendously need your grace and your mercy. We can't outperform that grace or mercy. Lord, I thank you that you lead us in victory in our life that you lead us in the way of transformation, that you guide us, you hem us in behind and before. You're familiar with all our ways. Continue, Lord, we ask to lead us in victory. Continue to lead this church. Continue to lead those within this family that we would be able to be a reassuring voice to our members of the others and, and those in the body of Christ, that we would encourage each other to champion one another, to stick to the course as we live and move within this world, have your way within our life. Thank you, Lord, that you're always with us. In Jesus' name.